We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Lakers come back from a 2 and one road trip, which is just what we were looking for, although not with everyone that we were hoping for, without Anthony Davis, LeBron, D'Lo was still out, and Lakers scrapped to a victory over an also shorthanded OKC team and started out well. Then Dennis turns his ankle with about four minutes left, and I'm thinking, man, it... Feels like we're cursed, you know, and uh, he didn't play particularly well when he came back. But then in the second half was fantastic. And him, Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, Rui Hachimura, I thought all played particularly well. Austin Reeves was this close to a perfect night, one free throw away um, in terms of efficiency. And Mike, a lot of guys afterward were talking about chemistry in the locker room. And I just love to hear just the vibe on the ground and that uh, flight home hopefully had a little bit of optimism in the air. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that it's they know that they are good enough uh, to get wins if they play hard. And it, I think it comes down to we were talking about the lineups and how were things optimized and and all of that stuff is important. But really, they they just won that game uh, by playing hard and by scrapping and the shot making, which was we have not seen that type of shot making too often. And I think that it, it's weird because after the game, a couple of the guys, Austin said this, Troy said this. When you don't have your stars out there, you're not even really sure exactly what to do at times. It yeah. sounds weird for NBA players, but you're so used to running certain actions and there's AD and he gets the ball in this spot and here's LeBron that it's like, oh, wait, I guess I just have to I have to go make a play. And it's and when when you do that, your teammates who, by the way, haven't played with you that much, don't know exactly where you're going to go. And, and so it didn't always look super pretty, but I think that OKC also didn't really know what the Lakers were going to do. And they had trouble sticking with them as well. They should because it was basically random basketball um, for a bunch of times. And within the context of that, you know, Troy Brown Jr. hits four threes. Dennis and Mo Bamba hit three each. And Malik Beasley hits three, even though it took him 12 to get there. That's a, a ton of threes for a starting group that, you know, was hitting basically zero in Memphis. So all that stuff came together. I'm sure we'll talk about stuff like Rui, who was great. Uh, and, and that's, by the way, 
a direct result of the coaches meeting with him, which I, which I found to be interesting, which he acknowledged sort of Darvin Ham and say, Hey, we need you to rebound better. Um, get around the rim, like block some shots, blah, blah, blah. So we listened to that and Darius, it, it, it worked. It, they got the result. I know you were asking for four and oh, um, I said three and one was going to be five, but I think given that LeBron was out, you'll be, you'll be satisfied. Even, even though your point I think was made, Hey, don't just give these, any of these games away. You can get them all. 100%. And, and I think the three and one period over that four game stretch is reflective of the mindset that I was hoping that the team would have, which is basically like go in there and play hard and go get it. And like I said, I only watched the first half of that Memphis game, but they look like that team that was like, look, we may be down some guys, but we're going to go out there and compete and play hard. And Memphis turned it around and, and did what they did. But the next night with AD wearing one of the, Dopest Lakers jackets I've ever seen on the oh, sideline. Oh, wasn't that sweet? Yeah. Oh, man, that was a great jacket. It's so AD on the sidelines looking none too pleased to sit out a basketball game, which I understand he's competitive and he wants to play, which is like just a side note, like is one of the under discussed things about Anthony Davis. Like he's often derided for missing games and sort of chided for like his injury history, but it's never from a lack of want. From him, like he play every single game if he could. They went out there and they just played hard. And to Mike's point about that, like stepping up and sort of like, oh, I have to do a little bit more. Pete, that first possession, they run an action to get Beasley the ball. And there's Beasley dancing around out there, going between his legs, full on mm. ISO around his back <laughs> a couple of times. And I'm just like, oh, man. And before the game, you had sort of said to us behind the scenes, Pete, like, I hope the Lakers could score. And that was no issue to start the game. These guys came out blazing hot, Troy Brown, Mike said. And, and, and so, like, there was a randomness to it all. But I thought that what we discussed on yesterday's pod about after the emotion of AD being ruled out and our response to that, the idea of, like, well, these guys are just going to go out there and play free. They're going to fire away. They're going to have a certain amount of just like, we don't give a damn about like the numbers. There's no, we're getting pulled. It's just go out there and play your games. And I thought they did a great job of that, even though it was a little bit hit hit and miss, particularly with Dennis in the first half. Yeah, it was exactly what we hoped with a bunch of guys embracing the stage and opportunity. Uh, even a guy like Bamba, especially in the first half, not only the shot making, but he was deterring some shots around the rim. And then as the game gets faster and smaller, he's not a big part of the second half. But Wendy and I thought, was super helpful as well and Rui as you brought up Mike that that sort of there are guys that can step up into certain roles that have the capacity Lonnie Walker is as well got to the line 11 times against a defense that Mike you rightly point out that OKC doesn't have very much inside to stop anyone, but they are also keenly aware of that and do their best to keep you out in the first place. And so they're going to draw charges. But it's one of the first times where we've made that type of defense pay with our shot making. We were getting pretty good looks in part as a result of them having to overcompensate toward protecting the basket and kind of leaving the perimeter open. We've seen that all year, Mike, but this is one of the first times that it's been like, oh, yeah, well, here's a 45 percent three point shooting night as a result of you defending like that. And so just a lot of guys really stepped up. And I thought that 
Austin, I'd love to focus on Austin real quick. He got more on-ball touches in this game in a way that I think really complements Dennis. Delo's still out. We don't know if he's going to be back the next game or Sunday, right? The, kind of lingering. And so Austin- I, w- I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, right. And so I think that makes Austin a, a key figure. What did you see from him last night, Mike? Well, Austin, he's in this interesting spot because clearly Austin's teammates and coaches trust him. Uh, and like him. And yet, you know, sometimes it, it just feels like in the course of a game that it takes him a little bit too long to get to him or uh, to just increase his minutes. So I think in the first half, Austin only played 10 minutes, maybe. No, so I'm sorry. He played five minutes in the no, I'm looking at Max Chris. OK, uh, there we go. Ten minutes. Yeah. Ten minutes and 35 seconds. Um, and, you know, so within that context, like Troy played 18, you know, uh, like Malik played 15. Dennis played 17 and then like Max played six and Lonnie played seven. So it's, it's like on a night like that, even though the offense was working pretty well, like they only shot 43% from the field. They just happened to make all their threes. They were 10 for 20 from three. They made half of them. They got to the free throw line. And so they were down by three um, in part because OKC was shooting just as well. Um, They made nine threes, but they were shooting 48% and like the turnovers were even. So what, you know, what changed in the second half? Well, part of that was Austin's uh, usage and time went up. So in the second half, Austin plays 14 minutes um, and he got to the free throw line eight times. Four of them were in that final minute. But it's just that was the I'm kind of answering your question by ask, asking you a question back. Mm-hmm. Like Austin is clearly somebody that is just good. Like he's been good all season. He can create shots. Uh, he He's going to help you on the other end, even when you think he doesn't sometimes um, defensively. So I'm I'm sort of wondering, is there is there even more of a place that Austin should have could have would have been featured or did that end up working out this as, as well? It should have because he had a lot of juice and gas down the stretch. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't have all the Austin answers, but it's, it's uh, I'm curious what you guys think um, as I kick this one back to you. Every time I watch Austin get on ball touches in particular D and that's something I want to distinguish is the off ball stuff versus the on ball. I think he's a slightly better off ball player in that like, yeah, you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell manning those jobs normally. But when we are down guys, he has a capacity to pick it up. And whenever he's running ball screens in particular, he's really good at setting up the screen and setting up the defender, the hedging big on that, really good at drawing fouls in those circumstances and can hit pull up jumpers and just kind of these skill shots where one of the things I one of the things I didn't like about his game, his rookie season, is he missed a lot of wide open threes, the type where if you're open, you should make that particular shot. This year, he's been nails on those. They went under a couple of screens. Uh, he hit a three on that in this game, did that against Memphis as well. But just like all of, he's knocking down all of the, I should make this type of shots while setting up his defender and just, he brings a certain on-ball ability. He compliments Dennis really well in terms of his ability to drive to the basket in that he just attacks in a different way. And so curious what you saw from Austin last night, D. So Austin was great. And when you don't miss a field goal and you get to the line as much as he did and was nails at the line the way that he was, you're obviously going to have a good night. The thing that is interesting to me about Austin and and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Darwin spoke about this post game, but there obviously is a trust and a belief in Austin. But the idea around Austin is that he's just going to make the right play. He's going to make the right play. And one of the things that you grow into 
as an inexperienced player becoming an experienced player is understanding what the right play is within the context of the game, the personnel that's on the court, your teammates, who the opponent is, like the stakes, and all of this other stuff that actually goes into what the play that needs to be made is. Austin, I thought last night, was handled that aspect of making the right play expertly. There is a time where I think we'd all like to see a more aggressive Austin all of the time. For Austin, though, he's still coming into his own, Pete, about whether or not he should be as aggressive as he was last night when mm-hmm. Anthony Davis is on the court and when LeBron James is on the court. Yes. Because that's a different... That's a, I don't even want to say it's a different mindset. It's just a different geography and geometry of the court. It's just like, no, that's that's this dude over here and that's this dude over here. And the right play for me here might be driving kick versus like, no, push this guy off and then drive an attack and look for my own. And he'll learn to better calibrate that over time. And I think we we are always asking him to just like, no, 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 see it. And play that way regardless of if that's Anthony Davis or if that's Jared Vanderbilt in the screen and roll with you, right? And I think he's still learning that, Mike. To try and give Austin's offense a little context here, last two weeks, essentially, uh, so a couple games before the break, and then since then, he's shooting 76% from the field on 6.3 attempts, which is enough to get him 15 and a half points, partly because he's getting to the free throw line. But, I mean, that's insane for a guard. If you just zoom out for the season, it might surprise you to learn that Austin is shooting 51% overall. Again, very, very few guards shoot over 50% from the field, and it's on 6.8 attempts, um, you know, right around 11 points. And there was some combination, like we Austin spoke after the game, and, you know, I I asked him a couple questions along these lines, and then uh, Dave McMenamin followed up, and his basic question, it was something along the lines of, you know, you're shooting so efficiently, should you be shooting more? And he's asked the same question to Darvin Ham. And Austin's response is just sort of like, well, look, I'm a basketball player. I think the best way to play basketball is, especially in the NBA, is to move the ball along side to side. Eventually, somebody is going to get an open shot. And I, this is Austin talking, like, I don't take shots that aren't good shots. That's my whole thing on offense. And so that doesn't mean that every once in a while, like his senior year at Oklahoma, his three-point percentage dropped some because he was having to take a lot of tough shots. He was the best option, and defenses were keying on him. He doesn't want to play that way because he doesn't think it's the best way to play basketball, whether it's LeBron and Anthony Davis on the court or not. But in the NBA, most of the time, everybody else out there, if you give them an open shot, again, there's a couple exceptions to this, but if you give them an open shot, it's a better shot than a contested shot. And that's just, that is how he plays. And so then he it's not that he has a hard time like calling his own number. He just and I think rightly doesn't think that it's the best basketball play. There are exceptions to that Pete, like when he doesn't take the catch and shoot ones mm-hmm. that, you know, that like that stood out in, in Beasley's first game um, at Crypto.com. Mm-hmm. But I I just love that mentality so much that he has. And I think it does overall end up being uh, helping the team. So 
How do you square that with what you see in terms of that's a good basketball shot? He should take that. He should be more aggressive here versus his mindset and like what he's been doing efficiency wise this year. I mean, it's all about the surrounding context. There are a lot of times when it's LeBron and AD where that is the right play or the or more so Austin's not even on the strong side in the first place. Right. He's more in that shooter role in that the offense in particular has a very dis, uh, distinct drivers versus shooters in terms of positionality. And so a lot of times he's in that shooter's role, especially when we're healthier. But on, an, on a night last, like last night, when OKC goes, oh, we're going to put Lou Dort on Dennis, who's been doing a, a really, uh, who's been really hurting us. We're going to put Dort on him. Then all of a sudden, Austin, that becomes, you're the one with the favorable matchup. And I think that it's more about that for me with bench units when we're healthier in particular, where, where it's like, yes, playing the right way and, and taking the correct shot. Absolutely. But a lot of times he's the guy who can start the wheel, start the sequence going, create the shot better than anybody else for a number of reasons. And he can fade into the background in ways where we have other guys on this team that are more than happy to chew up that usage. And so I'm thrilled that he's shooting 51% and he's super efficient and all of that. I just think that we need to go to that more often because he provides a level of skill, especially with D'Lo out, that is super helpful. Just to close out that well, that point, Pete, I was listening to a podcast earlier and Brian Windhorst was talking to Kevin Pelton and Windhorst said, if you're a 50, 40, 90 player, you should probably keep getting more usage until you're no longer a 50, 40, until 90 you're not. player. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. And, and so Austin's at 51, 39, 88. Right. So he's flirting mm. right on the edges of that for for the season. And so I'm totally in line with what you're saying about like picking it up a little bit more and just seeing where that takes you because it can benefit the team as well. So let's go to break here. And when we come back on to the other side, we'll talk a little bit more about this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Austin was great. Dennis was great in the second half. I do want to talk a little bit about Rui 
if we can. Okay. I thought Rui, Rui had an interesting half or an, an interesting game in his own right and in very similar ways to Dennis, I felt like. Like in the first half, he was not very good. Mm-hmm. Certainly not. But I think that the comments afterward, before we get into Rui's game, I was wondering, Mike, if you could kind of yes. uh, set us up in terms of the conversations and all that, because I think it's important context to what we saw. Well, in part because you guys were mentioning it, because like within the course of the game and as things got closer, I think Rui's contributions could have could have slipped past just with what other guys were doing. Uh, Lonnie attacking the rim and Dennis being mm-hmm. huge in the second half and Austin taking over. But meanwhile, you know, Rui's got three blocks, a bunch of rebounds defensively. He's contesting everything. He's just active and, and just and he's big right in the way that. We thought when the Lakers acquired him, that was going to be part of the thing. And then maybe that waned some for whatever reasons uh, in the past couple of weeks. So I asked Darvin Ham specifically just about Rui. And I think it was somewhat of a general question. And I probably preceded it like I did here. Like, hey, three blocks, nine rebounds. What did you see from Rui's activity? And he said, well, we we spoke to, and I don't know if it's Darvin or his assistants or all of them. Basically, we pulled Rui aside and we and we talked about it. And we said, hey, we think. We need this from you. We need a little bit more of this. And that this was mostly about rebounding, but I think just general activity and energy and size around the rim. And boy, did we see that. And then Rui, I didn't say Darvin, I didn't set him up for it or anything, but I was like, hey, it's what was behind this. He said, yeah, I met with the coaches and they said that they need this for me. And so that's what I did. And that's it. That's the, that's kind of the setup. It's so Mike, I, it wasn't lost on me because I put it in my recap that went up at, at Lakers.com, right? Like, like Dennis and Austin were the stars of the show. They carried the game, particularly Dennis, into the second half offensively. And we just went on and on and on about Austin. Rui was a killer down the stretch, Pete. That sequence that he had where he got that block kind of at the top of the top square. Of the square. Like, yeah. Like, he got, up, he got up there. I was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. Rui. And then turned around, looked, and said you know what? I'm not done here yet. My business is not done. And he got on his horse and he sprinted up court. Beasley hit him with that sweet leading bounce pass. Rui shoveled that thing up, went up strong, wrong foot jump like he was a lefty and jammed it home with two hands. And it was a level of verve that you don't normally associate with Rui. Rui is sort of a low profile guy and he has all these physical tools, but he sort of plays at his own pace, loves that one dribble pull up jumper, even if it looks like there's a lane there to maybe attack a little bit more. But I saw a lot of just like, I'm big and strong and I'm going to show you how big and strong I am from him last Mm -hmm. night. That was not only encouraging, but just so helpful in getting the team the win. Like, OKC looked like they were going to make a push, Pete. Like they got it to within six and then it was, I think it got to four or five and it was like, okay, the rope is getting let go of a little bit and things are tightening up. And here's a team now without their stars. Like crunch time is when you're like, give the ball to LeBron. He'll orchestrate everything, throw the ball into AD. He's reliable here. This is like, okay, well, now's where the no stars in the game stuff shows up and 
I thought Rui was just great down the stretch. So I just sort of wanted to talk about him some because he's fallen by the wayside a little bit with the new guys coming in. He was trade one, but trade two is what got all the headlines after the fact. Right. And we've been in love with Beasley shooting and Vanderbilt's all like all court game. But Rui still has this that really no one else has in terms of just mm -hmm. size and athleticism and skill. I want to contextualize it within the broader picture of the Lakers in that all year long, when we've had two guys out there that have a decent amount of size and activity, we've been a completely different team than when we don't. And his, I, I love that those were the specific comments to him of like, we need your activity in, uh, on the defensive glass, on you know getting blocked shots, contesting around the rim. There's something about having a 6'8", 240 guy who can run and moves all right that it's irreplicable in any other type of guy whether it's a guy who's bigger than him but but slower in bomba or a guard who just doesn't have the size and physicality to do that and so to me it, it's been an interesting couple of games too, because Vanderbilt's been bad right these last two games at least relative to his previous contribution. And having a different type of guy that's around the same size, that's kind of doesn't play quite the same way, but has that physical presence, Mike, that really just like, it's helpful to have that kind of guy. He's definitely got all kind of holes in his game and I, I don't want to oversell it, but having that 6'8", 240 type of guy just goes so far and run the court, tip some balls away. Uh, that's what I've liked about him the most, honestly, is on the interior, just like getting tips, getting rebounds, helping us get the ball, finish defensive possessions. It's just that type of athlete. If you don't have one, you really miss it. Well, and one of the first times that we saw Rui help the Lakers win a game at the Knicks, like right after the trade, I remember mm -hmm. a similar, like a rebound. He sprints up the floor. Was it LeBron or AD? One of the two fed him ahead and he went down and- It was Russ. There yeah. you go. Thank you. It was Russ. Mm -hmm. um, see, somebody watched the clips. And he, so he gets the ball, finishes, and you're thinking that's all the athleticism just shows up in a play like that. And Darius highlighted the play of the game from last night where he gets the block, sprints up, Beasley bounces the ball. And I just wanted to pause and think about why that's such an important play. It's it's like if you don't know basketball well and you just you're just mm -hmm. watching and you see there's just something about it that it's teamwork, it's energy, it's effort. It's the rewarding of the little things, right? It's beautiful. It flows. It's just a, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. everybody on a team feels that it's, it's an energy multiplier. And yeah. when you have players that are capable of yeah. doing that stuff uh, and they don't, that can be an energy detractor or when a player is mm -hmm. like, if a player, if Rui makes that run, after he gets the block and Beasley doesn't doesn't see him because he's not looking and then crossover crossover setback three everybody has kind of like a collective size so it's this is the it's part of like the whole Mike D'Antoni ball finds energy thing to some extent but it's also just common sense um, in any sport and in mm -hmm. any walk of life and you know before we started recording I was talking about like when I come home from out of town you know it's not like it's oh it's relaxed time it's like my wife has been working her ass off so I come home and I like I want to clean the house in the morning and then that's going to come back around to me, though, because mm -hmm. she's going to be happy uh, with me. It's like like stuff just doing things <laughs> the right way in any way of walk of life, uh, including in basketball yes. is, is going to pay off. You set yourself up for future success. Yes. The other thing is, too, is if you watch that sequence of the game and you're not a basketball fan at all, but you sort of have a general sense of like sports and you're just like, oh, what's going on here? And you see this dude go up and swat the ball against the basket and, the, and then 
sprint and go up court and then get a monster dunk and you see the bench explode and Austin was the first dude off of the bench and they're and the other team is calling timeout. When you watch Tate Pete, there's this idea of like, what pops, who pops? And that's a play that pops. When you see a dude make that sort of play, you're like, oh, this dude's good, right? Like he just did something that totally stood out way above and beyond what you were watching for the previous two or three minutes or any sequence of plays. And to Mike's point, like have, and to your point too, Pete, like having a guy who could make those sorts of plays, the Lakers had three of them earlier this season in LeBron, AD, and Russ. They were the only guys who on any given night, you would see them pop in that way. And now LeBron Russ has been traded. LeBron's out. AD is out. But Vanderbilt could make a play like that. Mm-hmm. Rui could make a play like that. Like Beasley. Like these, some of these new guys, they are just out there playing to a level that was not possible before. And, and it's with the, with the previous roster. And they are making plays that just weren't like Pat Bev isn't making that same play. He's making different of types not. of plays, he but but he's not, mm-hmm. right? And, and so it's one of the reasons why going into the OKC game, I was just like, look, like these guys got enough talent. They can do some things out there. And so it was like a super rewarding win. And it's wins like that, that I always feel good. I feel good, not because I'm a fan and I want the team to win. I feel good for the players. Mm-hmm. You know how yes. good it must feel for those guys to be like, we did that. Yep. It was us. That flight home is going to be great. You know who I was very happy for and felt good for was Troy Brown Jr. And if we're spending this pod kind of shining a light on individual guys, which I think is the right idea in that like we didn't have our normal team and it was a group of guys having to figure it out on the fly. Uh, Troy had a rough game against Memphis and then a really good bounce back game last night. And Last night's game, I thought, was really exemplified by a degree of just competitiveness and scrappiness and up for the fight, ready to seize the opportunity of our role guys that Troy has has embodied in a lot of ways. I talk about Dennis a lot as being a guy who kind of shows the competitiveness of this team. But Troy Brown Jr. is right there, Mike, with him in that respect. I've loved, he's got a nasty side to him. He's very competitive, really wants to get up into guy's jersey and has some of those abilities to take advantage of that in the right circumstances. And so to come back from a tough game against Memphis, to have the game that he had on both ends of the floor, like it just thrilled with the game he had last night yeah i've had some dialogue with troy some of it on the air some of it off the air just throughout the season and he's uh this this is the kind of thing that is not really relevant to this basketball conversation we're gonna have but he's a a very like nice Uh kind of person he's thoughtful but he also has this he's got this edge to him and a little bit of confidence and kind of Mm -hmm. like a I, i just think that He's he's really happy if you recognize that maybe there's a little bit more to him and that he isn't just this guy that should have gotten, you know, essentially not wanted in Washington or Chicago and felt like he was younger and he was still developing and, and kind of been told, oh, you're yeah, you're you're pretty good at a lot of things, not great at anything. You know, he, he just hasn't I, I don't think that he's felt like people really understand um, some of the elements to mm-hmm. his game. And that's the thing is that it's just the NBA is so hard. Like he's one of the best basketball players in the world, a lottery pick, and he's yep. not feeling great about the way that his basketball game is perceived. You know, it's it's one of those things that just shouldn't be the case. 
but that's what it is, man. That, mm-hmm. And it's the same conversation, by the way, for star versus superstar and the stars who are always feeling like, why don't you recognize that I'm the, and it's because there are maybe two other players yep. in the world that are a little bit better, right? Even like Joel Embiid doesn't feel like he's a good enough basketball player because sure. Jokic has won the MVP and Embiid hasn't won. So anyway, so I just wanted to put that context around it. So for Troy, you know, he's, he's not a, a great shooter, but he's a pretty good shooter and he can make a play off the dribble and find somebody with a nice assist. Uh, Pete, who was it that he he fed for? Was it Vanderbilt that he fed for uh, with a nice dunk yes. in the first half? Yep, yep. That was a great play. Then he mm-hmm. has to make two ISO plays of the sort that I was talking about earlier where this was not scripted, and all of a sudden he finds himself with the ball and seven on the shot clock, and he's got to get around. Mm-hmm. Was it Dort or JW? Uh, w- one of the two, and he's got to get around, and, and he finishes through traffic, takes contact, finishes off the glass. Mm-hmm. He had yeah. one of those in each half, and then he has the baseline uh, jumper, Darius, late in the game when the Huge Lakers shot. were up yeah. four, right, to make it go back to six when all the momentum had finally started to swing. So he he's just um, – like he can be solid as the 3 and D role guy, but I always love a player that can do a couple of extra things uh, when needed. And to me, he is that kind of guy, and, and I still don't know that he's thought of that way. This is, I think, one of the better case scenarios for those second draft guys that you talk about, D. And we have a lot of them on our bench in particular. So second draft, meaning this is a guy that was a first round pick, late lottery or somewhere around there. And it didn't work out in this first stop. This is something that circumstance and situation is so important, unless you're one of the dudes in the NBA that is going to be great no matter where you are. For a lot of other guys, the team you get drafted by, the organization, the surrounding roster, whether they're rebuilding versus trying to compete, all of these things can really impact whether and how well a player does in those circumstances. And so between Troy and Mobamba, Rui, uh, Lonnie, several of the guys on the team are these kind of second draft type of dudes. And when it works out, it's somebody who can do the role things, but can't can do more than just the role things that Mike was just talking about. And Troy has that in him. That's the scout team QB uh, thing that you talk about, D. He's the scout team QB because he does have some of that. And on a night like this, where we need various guys to step up, he was huge in that respect. Yeah, that comp of that guy who, like, you've talked about this a ton, man, but all of these dudes when they were, because we talked about this with Stanley Johnson last year, but a lot of these dudes when they were in, like, middle school and high school and coming up through AAU, they were the man. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to score 30 a game for my high school team. I'm playing varsity as a freshman, right? Like, I'm, I'm one of those dudes. I'm a, I'm a four-star recruit. I'm a five-star recruit. I play major Division I basketball. I'm with one of the best players on, on my team. I got drafted 15th in my draft, 16th in my draft, 19th in my draft. Like, and, and this is different than a lot of role players, like the P.J. Tucker route, for example, where it's like, I'm going to play in 18 different countries and no one ever thought of me as a blue chip type prospect. It's a different sort of job. Yeah. Some of these dudes just like, oh, yeah, I played in Turkey and then Israel and then the Ukraine. And then I came and I played now uh-huh, in yeah. the NBA. I was drafted 54th overall. Right. Like mm-hmm. there are these dudes. And look, that goes to show that there are these all these different paths to become a legit NBA player. And to Mike's point about Troy is like, you don't always make it in your first stop. Also too, if you're drafted 13th or 15th overall, there's a certain amount of like, oh, well, we need you to be this. 
Like we were a team that won 38 games last year and we're drafting you because we want to win 45 games this next year, <laughs> right? And you're and you're going to help with that. And when you're like a 20-year-old, you're like, wait, I'm going to help with that? Okay, well, I've got the confidence to do it, but now my coach is on me because I'm not making this exact play the exact way that he expects from you and expects from a player like I've been in the league for six years, right? And there's a lot of that that happens with with young players. And that's why it's one of the reasons why like we loved Alex Caruso. And it's one of the reasons why we love Austin Reeves. And it's one of the reasons why like we have high hopes for Max Christie is because you see the flashes of them being able to make those plays without that relative experience level. And you're just like, oh, they're only going to build on that. But when you're, it's different when you're Austin Reeves and you're an undrafted dude and you're, or you're Alex Caruso and you came from, from the G league, every, everything that you show is like, oh my God, like, wait, you can do that. Oh, well I'm already like, you're doing more than what I expected. Whereas maybe a guy like Brown in Washington or, or with the bulls, you're doing less than I expected. So now, like, I'm taking things away from you now rather than giving them to, to you. And so just in terms of this mini celebration of, of Troy Brown here, he, he does, to me, Pete, exemplify a certain amount of resiliency that the team has shown this season and a stick to and a never getting too down on on himself when he has a bad shooting game because he is able to do other things. He has been a very good defensive player for the Lakers all season. He has his miscues here or there, but he is always competing. He had a game earlier this year where he had like 17 rebounds and was just basically going to the defensive glass and helping the team close out possessions. He is a good passer. He plays hard. He is a good shooter. He is competitive and he plays hard. And last night, those were the things that typified the Lakers' performance and how they got a win without three of their best players and two of their very best players for sure in LeBron and AD. And like they don't win that game without a bunch of performances, but they definitely don't win it without Troy, who came out blazing hot from three and sort of helped set the tone offensively for the Lakers to stay in that game when some of their other guys were not shooting as well. The last few weeks, we've talked a lot about the new acquisitions and rightfully so. Uh, but last night's game in particular, just an ode to the scrappers that have been there all year, Dennis, Austin, and Troy, man, they've really, I think, uh, exemplified a lot of what's been good and resilient about this team. And they led the Lakers to a really important victory to close out with good vibes on a two and one road trip. Lakers have a five game homestand coming up that I think is the most important stretch of the season because we don't have any bad teams that we're playing, but also they're not great teams and almost all of them are in the Western Conference and ahead of us in the standings. So we will be back tomorrow to, to, to preview that. Got a couple of games this weekend. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. 
Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it! Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! with a little tap to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.